One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. And despite no rugby, despite lockdown despite isolation we are back again with another podcast from our respective tmo shipping containers i'm tim i can see jb there looking like um something something out of game of thrones on a on a wolf rug it's a mixture isn't it we've seen game of thrones and babe station (laughs) (laughs) and there is phil hello tim looks like you're wearing some french uh stash oh you are you are that's a lovely that's a lovely jersey this is just a, just a training top, about uh, 2012, 2014, that kind of era. That is beautiful. Have you two been um, you know, clapping your wives as they arrive home from hospital and they're clapping them off when they go off to their shift? <laughs> so, so funnily enough, right, um, a good friend of mine, uh, CJ, friend of the pod actually, was saying as a joke that he was going to go running at uh, the time is run so he could go out running and return <laughs> back to his house at eight o'clock so he could get clapped uh, clapped in on the home straights. <laughs> I completely forgot about that, but I was running as they started clapping and it felt good. <laughs> well done, JB. Well yeah. done. Well done. Tell a joke at, at seven fifty nine out your window. <laughs> <laughs> how are yeah. they finding it? How how are how are your anaesthetist wives finding it all? A bit more, a bit more serious this week, I think. Yeah, it, it's getting more serious. There's the good news is there's still plenty of capacity in the the hospital that Claire's working at. Um, long may that continue, and they're well staffed and and well equipped at the moment. It's unbelievable the operation they've done, the logistical work oh. that's been done, and the speed that it's happened at. It's phenomenal. Yeah. I was reading today about the ventilators and how. Mercedes had basically just built this ventilator from nothing. Well, it's not even a ventilator. You know, for, the, for those of you that are actually interested, it's a CPAP machine. The reason that they went for that, because they were whinging, oh, the standard of the, standard of the ventilators won't be this, that, or the other. But the reason they went for the CPAP machines because they can be, be administered by people who are not trained anaesthetists. You don't need to intubate someone. It doesn't, it doesn't leave a scarring on, potential scarring on, on the lungs. And they can build a, thou- a thousand a day. And they did all this in like 10 days or something. It's just incredible. Yeah, the news of that stuff is incredible. The hospitals, NHS Nightingale and those, they are seriously, seriously impressive um, facilities that have been built in unbelievable timescales. Yeah. I and mean, it's so weird that there are some people among us who are so reticent to give any sort of pat on the back or well done or praise 
that they've started going to social media and arguing about whether that hospital's so, actually te technically been built or not. <laughs> <laughs> There'll always be someone not happy, Tim. There'll always be someone. <laughs> I know. Well, I um, I mean, the one thing I've really enjoyed out over this period is is celebrities realizing how irrelevant they are and desperately <laughs> clamoring for attention. People like except, Kate. Except for you, except for you, Tim, because you're still entertaining the nation. Of, of course. The proper every, frontline worker. Every afternoon on Virgin <laughs> Radio, one till four, um, from, from this TMO shipping container. Uh, but Kate Winslet, for example, for some reason she starred in a movie uh, called Contagion, Once Upon a Time, and died, <laughs> and her character died. <laughs> and, that, and that gives yeah. her the authority to tell us how to wash our hands. So I just want to say on that basis, I'm looking forward to Michael J. Fox with his time travel tips and... Uh, <laughs> Gene Wilder on how to run a successful chocolate factory. I, I tell you, who do, I tell you, who does need a shout out. Not to the same degree as everyone else. So don't ever, uh, anyone get all upset. But the people who need a, a shout out are the people battling and trying to run rugby union social media accounts for the Premiership clubs. There's no rugby on, and yet they seem to pump out content day in day out. They're the most ingenious people on social media. How do you do it? What What's the best stuff that you've seen? Uh, in terms of not just the club's social media, but oh, players' I, social media. I think media. Jamal Ford-Robinson. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> Jamal Ford-Robinson, Gloucester prop, is killing it. Tell you what, yeah. though. There are worse things to do than get on the right side of your club CEO. <laughs> yeah, to generate some goodwill, some good branding for your uh, for the CEO, for the club. Yeah, I think that's a smart thing to do. Yeah, Lance Bradley's an influential man. I would certainly carry on posting if he was liking my posts. <laughs> If, if you haven't so, seen Jamal, Jamal Ford-Robinson, Robinson. if you haven't seen what Jamal Ford-Robinson has been doing, he, for quite a long time he's been uh, streaming his gaming on Twitch and he's got a bit of a following there, but he's just... Yeah, check well, out. He's kind of... He's embracing the cabin fever and just, you know, yeah, I'll post a picture of myself on the loo. I'll, I'll do a weird dance in my living room. No worries. I quite like it. Did you, see, did you see the one today which is going around, the TikTok of um, someone picking that isolation character? Yes, I did see Bloody that. Bloody brilliant. That's clever. Very, very good. And the other explain, one. Which explain that, that to me. I, I didn't see that. It's very hard for me to explain. Maybe Phil will do, do a better job. So imagine you're picking a computer game character, so like a Street Fighter character, and it had a video of a, a woman um, just like in the, the character selection screen. So she's just kind of like gently moving and then. Every second and a half, she flips outfit or flips um, uh, object that she's holding. Very, it, it was very, it's very, very good. good. Oh, very I'll send good. You a link. Uh, and the other one which I've really enjoyed is: um, Have you seen those death, those death memes going about? <laughs> the um, African funeral. Yeah, the African mm -hmm. funeral party. <laughs> it no. is. One of the funniest things, like, it is so inappropriate. And so, and the more you watch, the funnier they get. It's like a compounding effect. Like, you watch one and you go, what on earth is this? This is stupid. And then the second one, you kind of get it. So the idea is, someone does something and inevitably will die. Like, falls into the sea full of sharks. And the funniest ones are the guys that definitely deserve to die. So there's one guy um, putting his head in, a, head in an alligator's mouth. And obviously, the alligator goes all alligator on him. Hilarious. <laughs> but it's the... It's the comedy. It's the music. It's the music and the the videos of the guys. <laughs> the, the guys like dancing, carrying the coffin. 
Brilliant. Oh dear. Well, I, I would give a tip to uh, to anyone that has to go out to pick up essential supplies, and obviously only go out when you're picking up essential supplies. Uh, some rugby training you can do is your footwork. If you go to a supermarket, will be immense because it, it's like playing a, a life size version of Pac Man, going up and down the yeah, aisles, yeah. just avoiding people. Yeah, yeah. And because of and, and because of social distancing, the defence is perfectly spaced. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. In fact, that's, that's going to be a new analogy you can use when you're coaching at Talk H, JB. Social distance. Social distance! <laughs> Social distance! Add it to line speed and wolves. Yeah, absolutely. So um, there's been a few bits and pieces get going on, I guess. Yeah, well, I, firstly, I got an email today um, of a, a, a calendar reminder of my flight that was down to Exeter, which was meant to be happening, or sorry, over this weekend, a couple of days ago which reminded me I would have been doing, we would have been on European Cup quarterfinals this weekend. Wow. Yeah, I got my weekends wrong. So I thought today was the day that Sale Sharks became top of the league. It wasn't. Last week is when Byron McGuigan scored a hat-trick of tries um, and then Langdon got the bonus point when Sale beat Exeter last week, which didn't happen. But that's what would have happened. Is that what you dreamt? No, no, that's what would have happened. That's a fact. That's a fact. So that's a shame that we don't get to see that, but we know it would have happened. So you know, and we would have had we would have had Byron on the podcast. We would have had Byron on the podcast to celebrate that fact. Well, him, him and you celebrate. Well, and and well, all neutrals and all neutrals together. <laughs> all neutrals would would be happy with that result. It does kind of hit home though, um, knowing that this would have been European Cup quarter final weekend. Because that is it's such an exciting weekend. It the, is. The eight games, but the, the four big ones, which are always yeah. spicy. Uh, that's so annoying. Isn't it just? Isn't it just? Well, the relegation bumped, Tim. Oh, no, no, go on. You, you want to jump in? I was going to say, where do you want to start? The relegation has been confirmed and promotions yeah. up and down the leagues have been confirmed. Yeah. I mean, it's quite sad, isn't it, that obviously it's not all to do with how teams performed on the field? Well, actually, it is. It is all to do with how teams performed on on, on, um, on the field. But we'll but we'll, but we'll never know what the remaining games will, games would have been. I'm quite happy with it. I'm quite happy with the uh, with how they worked out and the calculations that they used. Yeah. Um, exceptional circumstances lead to exceptional action. It's yeah. ideal, exactly as you've said. But I think this is the best solution. I think it's interesting the formula they did use. So they weighted home and away games differently. Um, mm. Now, when I was thinking about how you do this, you could do something much more complicated to weight the quality of your opposition as well. But that, I think, oh. I think that has, um, it, it becomes too subjective. Yeah. Because you'd argue, what time of year are you playing the opposition? Uh, what kind of injuries have they got? All that kind of stuff that would have tiny little impacts. So I'm I'm quite happy with the the home and away waiting because it's that is probably, understand, isn't it? And and it's probably in my mind is probably the single biggest determinant of the points that you will the league points that you will get out of a game, whether you're playing home or away. That, I also I also think that in terms of the calculations used, the more basic the better because you know if you really went to the nth degree on this and complicated getting it too much there'd be all sorts of arguing about assumptions used and whatnot so yeah i'm more than happy with it 
yeah. in football they have a pools. These uh, the, I remember, seem to remember them having a pools panel. Is that still a thing? Where if there was a, if there was a postponed game for the purpose of um, the pools betting thing, pools coupon. I, I I don't know how that works. You guess no, score I... draw. You guess score draws and goalless draws and things like that. Anyway, but on the basis of that, they have a, they had a panel of people who they uh, delegated that you know deciding what the result would have been to. Because I always remember on the, the old BBC, you know, the old grandstand, yeah. when they used to do the full-time scores, they'd go, uh, they'd sort of go um, home win or go, uh, away win when it was a postponed match. Uh, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I never understood how the pools worked. I might have to look it up. That is one of my childhood questions, which I never really got. Yeah, I remember seeing it on, yeah, grandstand final score. But I... Isn't it weird that the BBC, particularly back in the day when gambling wasn't as big as it is now, basically gave out gambling results? <laughs> yeah. Huh? Anyway. Uh, but uh, so, it, yeah. well, they do the lottery, that and, is um, true. Uh, and maybe that there are maybe there are some rugby unions and rugby clubs who you know just think, oh, do you know what? Let's take what we got and put it on red or black in a casino. To double up, quit, double or quits, because there's some people in some bad ways. The latest being, well, Rugby Australia. It looks like there's a lot of politics and a lot of a lot of kicking off down there, and a lot of people very concerned. Apparently, fifteen, what was it, fifteen former Wallaby captains are saying that big changes need to happen at Rugby Australia, and probably Rayleigh Castle needs to go. The only one who's spoken out publicly so far is Nick Farr Jones. Yeah, I have a tremendous amount of sympathy for Raining Castle, to be honest. Um, but I do understand where this, where this is going. I think it's possible that you can be a very good administrator, which I probably think she is. I, I, the answer is I don't know. I don't know enough about her to say if she's a good enough administrator or not. But what I can say is people have polarised around her, and this is not her fault whatsoever. It feels that people defending her will say one of two things, which I think are maddening. One is everyone's attacking it as a misogynist. And number two is it's part of a Fox sport conspiracy. Now, if you think I'm joking, I'm really not. These are the two things which come up over and over again. You're a misogynist or you're acting in such bad faith. And for, for, you know, to what end would the people on Fox sport really want, want her gone? I mean, I just don't, I don't understand why every, every analyst and every commentator who's even remotely linked to Fox just wants to go on because, again, they're misogynists. The point I'm trying to make on this is how on earth do you come to a consensus as a rugby community if you think the person you're arguing with isn't actually, doesn't actually have any points or anything interesting to say. They're just doing it out of bad faith. And it's really worrying because you can see the two sides polarising and they just don't want to talk to each other. So this Ronin Castle thing, I, I think she's going to go because the pressure's building and building and building. And I don't think they're going to get any further forward. I think, I think they're going to eat. I think the two sides will eat themselves. And it, it is worth saying exactly on that point that when she took over in 2017, R Rugby Australia was not exactly in the rudest health. No. It, it still is not exactly in the rudest health. Um, it, before the um, coronavirus position, it was not in rudest health. Um, I don't know if it's got any worth, in all honesty. Yes, we've also lost a Fox Sports deal. Okay. So the Fox Sports deal was, I mean, I think they've been their partner since time began, really. And everyone's fallen out and whatnot. And now Fox do not sponsor 
the AOU or sorry have not bought have not bought their rights, right. which is really really troubling. So you know, again, if depending on who you listen to, this is great because they're freed from the fox deal and they can go out and get another sponsor. But personally, I don't think it works like that. And in today's climate, you probably won't be banking on finding another sponsor of that size any anytime soon. No, no and ru- rugby uni- rugby Australia has been declining in strength. Rugby union in Australia has been declining in popularity for quite a long time. Yes. Yeah. I do, do you know what the shame of it is? I remember growing up watching Super Rugby when it was only, was it Super 12s or Super 15s? At the time? I think it was Super 15 at the time. Super and I honestly thought that the Australian game, in fact, all, all the Super Rugby games, and this could just be rose-tinted glasses, was far ahead of the Southern Hemisphere, of the Northern Hemisphere games, even you know, stadiums. Even, I mean, they weren't massive, but they were, big, they were bigger than ours. It felt more like an event. The product was absolutely brilliant. And it's just declined since then. It's, it is incredible to think, like, when I remember look, watching Super Rugby in the early, mid-2000s, it seemed like it was ahead of the curve. Didn't it? To, you watched that compared to the Northern Hemisphere game, and it was always, I don't know, it seemed more futuristic and just uh, more advanced, more professional. Yeah, and there's probably a lesson here to be learned for Super League too. Super League have done the same thing is they just keep on tinkering with their format. I mean, some of the formats that Super League and Super Rugby have had are mind-blowingly stupid. Mind-blowingly. <laughs> like, three pools with different amounts of teams in. Uh, oh. You know, uh, we did a, a gag about four years ago about how complex the Rugby League playoff system is. More complex things are, people just don't care. They just want a league. And when it's Super 15, everyone understood it. Simple. I think it's Super, Super 12. Super 12s, yeah. Was it Super 10s before that? It, it was, God, we did cover it, or looked into it a little while ago. It started in the mid-90s. Yeah, three, three Australian teams, five New Zealand teams, and then five? Four, five South African teams. That'd be thir- Super 13. Four South African teams. Four South African, yeah. yeah that's how I remember it. Well, um, with the Australian situation being as it is, and with it looking like... South Africa are going to do one in a couple of years, maybe after the next World Cup, then, um, yeah, the, the, the outlook isn't great. Which kind of leads me on to this, because we can sort of tie in the USA at this point, and exactly what is the situation there? Major League Rugby effectively gone bust, has it? Or is it USA uh, Rugby gone bust, but Major League Rugby still there? So it's, it is USA Rugby. So it's, yeah. it's the governing body, the equivalent of the RFU, or WRU, or Rugby Australia. Um, and they have filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, which, uh, as I understand it, is more similar to administration, if you know anything about uh, English accountancy and, and corporations, which is not... So Chapter 7 would be, they're done. They basically liquidate, whereas Chapter 11 is more like administration, so they are given a period of time to reorganise, restructure... Right their organization and importantly restructure their debts to their um, debtors and um, money that they owed from their creditors. So um, we'll see how it goes. It might not be the end. Hopefully it's not the end, but it's, it's a very serious position and it's a very worrying sign for what for a long period of time people have looked at as one of the, the great potential powers of world rugby yeah, there are, yeah. there, there's such, a, such an enormous market who are tuned into contact sport. There's a lot of money 
there is we we've all been there multiple times when you go to the usa to watch rugby there is this incredibly passionate fan base um who who really really love the game and it's growing it's tying all those things together to grow the game and so far they've teetered on the edge a little bit but never really managed to progress it and this is this can only in my mind be a potential backward step from where they've got to agreed Completely i agree. suppose we should say we should say uh, go to our friends on the um american rugby pod what's the current name of it the um warren yeah and warren uh, and preston, and preston have been have been covering it as long as we've been doing our podcast we've uh, we've had many a session with them in america um, so yeah, they'll have the very latest on the on the USA situation. I will give that a listen this week um, to see what's going on. But should there's some talk about for various unions, Australia, USA, and any others that might need some help? Is there any obligation or duty of World Rugby to quote unquote bail out any no. union? No, I don't think there is. I mean, you know, particularly the bigger unions, they just the answer is just no. I don't. I don't even think that they should get state aid. Quite, quite frankly, outside of the aid which has already been, already been, been promised. I mean, we've got real things to pay for, like airlines and you know actual things. So no, now it'd be grossly unfair, wouldn't it, if World Rugby's coffers were opened up to the bigger unions rather than the smaller ones? Because that's effectively what World Rugby's really good at. It's helping out the smaller nations, and you know that that's basically what it does. I would really hate it if um, you know England went cap in hand. England should be able to look after themselves, even in times like this. Yeah, and I, I do. I do think England will do. I think England have got enough resources. They they will make a loss, as we said last week, 40, 45 to fifty million pounds over the next eighteen months is what they're predicting. But in doing that, they are still um, giving back to the community game. So I, I wouldn't worry. I do wonder where all this money to the community game goes. I mean, I really love the idea of them having coaches. You know, the, the roving coaches are great. Occasionally they show up with a scrum shield or whatnot. But I've said it before on the podcast that you know, if you can't get your club membership out to you know, clean, you know, clean, clean the sheds and mow the lawn, what exactly is it that you're doing? So I would like to know where it's all going. Yeah. Well, we'll watch the financial fallout because there's a, there's a long way to go on all of this. Um... But yeah. uh, on, on a lighter yeah. note, we've got, we've got much more to talk about. We've got the, the law breakdowns, um, changes, cl- clarifications from World Rugby. We've got Eddie Jones re-signing and various other bits and bobs. But uh, on a lighter note, Peter Shaw, long-time listener. Uh, thank you very much, Peter. We're at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. You can email us, um, contacteggchasers at gmail.com. Peter Shaw got in touch and has suggested that in this period in isolation when one of the few pleasures you might have is sitting down with a with a drink of some kind and, um, you know, relaxing on your own. Can we match rugby players with particular drinks? And he yes. suggested, he suggested for a Negroni that that should be Sergio Parise. Hmm. Is it Sergio Parise though? I mean, I get it. He's Italian. Um, but Sergio, you would imagine would taste. Um, I mean, there is a pleasure in a Negroni, but the, the, that pleasure is matched with pain. So a Negroni, in terms of its character, is very much Johan Uge, sophisticated yet horrible. Um, and <laughs> I can't think of, of an Italian version of Johan Uge. I kind of think that, um, yeah, producing needs to be something more refined, finer. I don't, I don't know what, but something. 
Well, I did think this. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of I'm, I'm happy to go with Uge for, for a Negroni instead. Um, if, 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 he's, if he's Italian, it'd be perfect. It would. So suggestions on a Negroni to at Rugby Podcast, but uh, I mean, I I was hoping you might go around the houses and find this one out, but I'm going to do it. This is a joke that I'm doing purely uh, because I think JB will yeah. appreciate it. But uh, uh, if you uh, you could assign a drink to your mate Stephen Jones as a bitter, ooh. Ooh. yes, quite, 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 quite. Um. <laughs> but any more for any more? So the other one. That- Oh, yeah, go on. Yeah, the other one that uh, Peter Shaw did was uh, Bod as a, a delicious, lovely, smooth pint of Guinness. Indeed, delicious. Um, Classy, one of the all-time greats. Perfect in almost any occasion. <laughs> almost any weddings, funerals, bar mitzvahs. Exactly. And Bod's uh, talents are, are that good that they would be timeless. You, you plonk him in a game 50 years ago or in 20 years' time, and he'll still he'll be one of those players that can trans. What's the word? Not tra- uh, can go trans- across eras. Yeah. Yes. Bod's, Bod's actually remarkably good at that. He would have. Yeah. He wouldn't have. I mean, he would have been the best player on the park. Uh, basically, any game he's played over the past hundred years. If, yeah. if you could drop him into anyone, and in fifty years' time, he'd probably still be as good. Absolute class. Mm. Do you wonder where where the game is going to end up? Because there's been such a rapid progression. I mean, Bod wouldn't have been the best centre in the 1970s. He'd have been the best centre, prop, wing, or eight yeah. in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> like, fast forwarding 20 years on, what on earth is it that we're going to be seeing, which is going to say, say yeah, actually, that guy, when he played in 2000, if he played in 2010, would have been the best prop, wing, centre, you name it. Yeah. Although we've never repeated Andrew Sheridan. That, that that is worth saying. So maybe we have got somewhere. That's a good point. He he would have if you dropped him in his pomp in his two thousand five to two thousand nine period or whenever his true pomp was, you could probably just drop that exact man onto a field tomorrow and he would be just as destructive. Or in twenty years' time. Or in twenty years time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, gone backwards. He's very much like Concord. Like, like in aviation, <laughs> we've gone backwards. In the world of rugby, since Andrew Sheridan, we have gone backwards. He was the Concord of our game. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but no, I do. I do genuinely think Bod is. He he was one of those talents, and this is what makes the real great players, is that um, his speed of mind was incredible. Yeah, and just and his speed meant that he could defy the lack of size that he might have had, he was still powerful because of, you know, um, power is speed times acceleration. No, mass times acceleration. Yeah. And he had a lot of the acceleration. As long as you've got a lot of the acceleration, I think you can do the any era thing. Yeah. It's a good point though, Jay. He, if you drop him in the 70s, he would be the best player on the pitch in every single position. He'd definitely yeah. be the best hooker. hooker and seven. Probably, probably prop. Probably, probably could be prop. All three across the back row and any position what in the back. What do make of George North? <laughs> well, I, I do think I do think this. Like, how far would you have to go down the leagues for a professional rugby player to be able to play any position one through to fifteen? So, like, like me at Tock H, like you at Tock H. Yeah. Like, if Billy Vunapola is playing 
level eight. He would be oh, the best. Be he could easily play every position on, so, on our field. Billy Vanipola, you could probably put him at level four or level three, and he could play every position. Scrum yeah, off? Scrum, yeah. Probably. Oh, yeah, well, your, your tactic, it would become a nine-man rugby. Scrum, yeah. pick, nine <laughs> pick and go. Yeah, instead of an eight pick and go, it's a nine <laughs> pick and go. <laughs> Not much different. <laughs> um, I do wonder... Who would be the worst player at that? If you started from the bottom, who who couldn't make it up to like the second tier in every position? Someone like I see, like Dan Cole, for example. He's Dan got good Cole. hands, though. He's got really good hands. Has he? Good at turnovers Davey. as well. Davy Wilson. Davy Wilson, yeah. Davy Wilson. Would be a good um, one. Uh, 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 Alex Cuthbert. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the other way would be to go, like, if you go to level 10 or, or whatever, um, you still get big props. You still get 100-plus, um, 110-plus KV yeah, props. You do. Someone, someone like Peter Stringer. Peter Stringer would make mince meat out of most of those 110-kilogram props. Believe you me. Probably. He's a Believe big... you me. I have seen some disgusting units. I remember in the, in the... It was when he moved disgusting. to... When he moved to Sale Sharks, within a, like, oh, so this would have been the June or whatever. So he was just moving across from Munster or wherever he was. No, he was. He was somewhere in between, wasn't he? Worcester. What for Sale? Oh, Tim, allow me. Bath. He was Newcastle. Munster. Bath. Bath. Saracens. Castle Saracens. Saracens. Yeah. Anyway, he moved up. He moved up to Sale, but within a couple of days of obviously arriving, and before preseason had even, oh no, when preseason had just started, he was in. The same pure gym that I was in, so I went. I went and chatted to him, and he was doing. Oh, was he, like? he was doing extra sessions outside of pre-season training. That's <clears> what um, majority used to do. I mean, for very different reasons. <laughs> but, like he would be bodybuilding early morning, and then he'd come to training. Yeah, yeah, because he couldn't do the the gym he wanted to at the club. Oh my god, what a psychopath! Both but String, Stringer, I met him at um, BBC. On five live, five live. How and, anyone has not met Peter Stringer? <laughs> um, and he was in. So he's only tiny, but he's in phenomenal shape. And like you, if you watch, if you ever watch his uh, Instagram stuff, um, he does a lot of a lot of gym work, a lot of gym work. And he also said when I was chatting to him, he said he. I kind of joked. Oh, would you? Uh, what are you up to this weekend? You have been a Guinness or two? And he said, no, I don't drink. Which, I, which kind of me. The ultimate no, pro. I, I have heard that he is one of the best professionals. Well, when he played, he was the best professional at sale. A cob did not pass his mouth. It's <laughs> impressive. I've got another contraption to add to my little menagerie of home gym equipment. I haven't managed to get a heavy kettlebell since last week, but I have got being delivered tomorrow a... Um, a, 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 a cycle trainer thing so I don't have to go out on the road to ride my bike oh nice yeah nice. So I oh I know the things that you mean yeah so you can plug your own bike into it like yeah. a turbo trainer turbo trainer exactly that so I've got I've got one of them coming tomorrow now I think we should go back and talk a little bit about the premiership clubs because there's some interesting developments there yeah go on what's, what's happening well I just think it's worth talking a little bit about um, the following of players 
So there's a few things about Fallon which I didn't actually realise. Fallow, few... I like that. It, it almost sounds like Falau, the Falowing oh, of players. How, uh, but... how, how do you say it? Furlough. Uh, and, uh, but I'm, I'm saying that as someone that had never heard the word before about 10 days ago. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea what it means. Um, yeah, there are some agree. words. There are some words. Do you remember when, uh, like last year, I'd never heard the word prorogue before, and then all you ever heard was the word prorogue? Oh, yeah. And it was the same in like 2004 or five with like the word dossier. I'd never heard that before. Yeah, <laughs> and it was sort of dossiers. Furlough's the latest one. Yeah, well, so... that, that's what I want to furlough is the use of the word furlough. So, I mean, I hope one of our um, very, very knowledgeable listeners can correct me on this. But as I understand it, there are players up and down the country at the moment and they will take a salary cut, okay, fine, which is not what they should be doing. Um, and then, if they have to, they might get followed. But they shouldn't be doing that because I think, and again, you, you know, the masses of people will need to come, come back to me if, um, if I'm wrong, um, if you do that, you're uh, you're opening yourself up to a contract renegotiation. They don't have to bring you back on the same contract, which is really worrying. So rugby players basically, you know, by all means, look to take your pay cut. If you want to do it properly, make sure, or you know, basically say you want your money later on, so to help cash flow. Don't take don't take the pay cut. Just say pay, pay me later, um, but do not take the following because it sounds like it's an absolute recipe for disaster for, for disaster yeah for your average member of staff um at say in a in a regular say in a nine-to-five office job doesn't i don't think they have the choice about the furloughing because it's uh otherwise the company might just say well we're making you redundant then yes exactly um, right i think so i think that's okay i mean there, i'm sure there are a lot of people that have probably been sitting in a job for a long time hoping their company would offer them redundancy and i don't know what the situation is there but assuming you want to keep your job um, if your company, I don't think you have a choice, but rugby players are slightly different because they have a contract for a set period with set services that they're exchanging for a set amount. Yes. Uh, yeah. So by following, you're effectively saying, yeah, I appreciate that there's no more, no, no more work. That's absolutely fine for me. But by accepting that, you're open to contract renegotiation, which could be very, very tricky for them if this game doesn't recover. Um, well, that, so that, there's quite a good um, rugby in the law article on this. Okay. So if, if you ever want to know about the legal implications of rugby, rugby in the law at Twitter or just um, online is a very, very good place for stuff like this. And he's, he's done multiple articles already on the corona position. Now, that that you've raised, Jay, is not one of the things that I've noticed from his articles. But I, I think it would be, I don't think it would be to do with the furlough position. I think it would be to do with the reduction in payment. Mm. Because the reduction in payment is effectively the breach of contract. The clubs, if you if you reduce a payment for a player who is on a time-bound contract for a certain amount, X amount per month over that time-bound period, that is the breach from the clubs, which would, in theory, I guess, allow the players to come back from a renegotiated position. Well, I'd be very... Now, the furlough... Yeah, sorry. The, the furlough... Clubs can do the furlough and... Um, recover two and a half thousand up to two and a half thousand pounds per month of the players' wages from the government, but they could also continue to pay the players the full amount of their I'm contract. I'm certain that's so what's happening. It's just important to separate the two things. I don't think it's yeah. the furlough which the furlough alone which would lead no. to that breach of contract. No. It would be the well, as I said, by accepting the fur, by accepting the furloughing, that means that they can renegotiate your contract, which is why you should not 
to do it. Why? Because you could furlough and still pay them the whole amount. Because by accepting that you've been furloughed, uh, this 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 is this is as I understand. It. I won't comment on it anymore because I do not have the the, the requisite knowledge. Um, that there is a legal mechanism which means that they don't have to take take you back on that same amount. They can still make you make you redundant at the end of it. They can still pay. You know, there there, there are still protections. Um, but yeah, you are open open to negotiation. And the other thing I'd say as well about players is if your club can't pay you right now, why not say you'll accept all of your money now, but instead of having cash, why not ask for equity? I mean, you've got them over a barrel. I would do that. <laughs> so I think... I, what, an, what an amazing thing for a player to do. And you say, look, not only do you not need to pay me, so you know, we, can, you know, we can build this cl- club um, so you can save the club, I'm also willing to invest my own money into it. So I'll be an equity holder, and I'll be around for, for ages. I'm, I'm tied into the club then. What do you say? So all these clubs saying that they're going to go, and the clubs have got a problem as well, because all these clubs saying that, okay, look, you don't take the reduction, we're going to go, um, go into administration. So be it. So be it, because the players will be the first ones to get paid, and all the clubs have got assets. And the owners can easily raise, raise the money, because the government are buying up bonds left, left right, and centre. Uh, so they can easily do it, but they don't want to, re, to, to recapitalise after, after it's all done. So I would say, if I was a player, do not give an inch. Make sure you get your money or your equity. Get in touch with JB. Professional rugby players, get in touch with JB for some advice on that one. What, what I would say on a more sort of day-to-day and functional level is if you do um, accept a furloughed position, which I think, to go along with what Phil was saying, I think basically players would be doing that to help the club because it would that the clubs would supplement that so they're still getting paid what they would get paid, but it means the clubs can access up to two and a half thousand pounds for every single member of staff or player in this case. The, the one, yeah. the one consideration if you do accept that situation, though, if you're a player, is one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. You cannot work. So I've looked into this as, you know, I, I have my own small business and the only way yeah. I could, I've lost a lot of money. We've lost a bunch of clients and a bunch of work um, that no, can no longer happen. And I fall into one of the categories of people that doesn't have access to anything because the only way I could get any sort of support to compensate for, for that is by furloughing myself. Uh, but huh. if, if I send one email, make one phone yeah. call, do anything whatsoever work-related, that invalidates that completely. Yeah. So it's... rugby players, can they, like, technically, can they work out? Well, so good the, question. This, 
this is a debate that is on the Ruby in the Law, um, the latest article. And I think where they get to, which makes a lot of sense to me is, so you cannot do anything that leads to paid work. So you, you can't, in my mind, train as a team yes. for that. But whether you're playing for Bath or Sale or you want to work for a new contract or whatever, you've got to, as a professional rugby player, you've got to stay in shape. So yeah. you can be working, you can be training on your own. They can't stop you from training on your own. And, and I think that's where they got to. To, to go back to Majority and, and Peter Stringer. Yeah. And do you know what? There's going to be certain characters and all this. We're going to lose out. And it is, you know, there is an element of personal responsibility here, but it's very tough. I mean, I very, I really struggle to work out on my own. I find it much, much easier to get into a group, to go to a class, do something, do something like that. If you lose your motivation and you're not very good at working out on your own, you know, you could come back in not great shape. And there might, might be other people who use this to enhance their career greatly. Just think about um, Ben Tammy Fenua after the yes. World Cup, who returned after like two weeks away, two weeks outside the, um, the Tonga squad, returned to Racing about 30 kilos overweight. That's <laughs> I mean, that's some real going, isn't it? That, I, mean, I mean, that is real eating. It's so hard not to go past the kitchen and just grab something at the minute. No. I don't know how he would cope. Well, it is. funny like, enough, I have one of the best things about um, the lockdown is the ability that I have now to control all the food in the house. And I find nothing more pleasurable than running down the food to the, like, you know, how much food have you got in your house which you've not eaten for bloody God I'm knows. really enjoying getting to the back of the cupboards. Oh, it's so good to see the back <laughs> of the cupboards. So good. I, there is no waste. There is zero waste. Yeah, I'm loving, I'm loving that aspect of it. Although, like I say, all, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit like a hobbit at the minute because like, the breakfast, second breakfast, elevens is lunch. It's like I'm, I'm going Roman, just have one long... Food. I'm gonna to have to start, you know, um, uh, taking, you know, becoming slight. I don't know, just throwing it up like the Romans did, just so I can eat some more. The vomitarium. Vomitarium. <laughs> yeah. You know, you've made it, don't you? When you got vomitarium. <laughs> I am the one thing I'm. I'm really bad at at the moment is coffee. I'm having so many coffees. Yeah. Because normally. I might a few times a week treat myself to a, a nice coffee when I'm at work. But when it's three quid or whatever from Cafe Nero, it's quite a good disincentive for me to do it. But now when I just wander down to my espresso machine. Your sage and, espresso oh, and, machine. And another cappuccino. Why not? Like why, another, no, not indeed. Why, why not indeed? Why not? Yeah, my coffee machine's getting absolutely beating. I really want a filter coffee machine though. But a what coffee machine? A filter coffee machine with one of those little thermos jokes because i like phil's coffee phil yeah but why we've had this conversation yeah, I, don't... I, I don't believe you I don't, and you I want and you want an america you want a woman in a in an apron with an american <laughs> accent to just keep coming and topping you up yeah yeah from the midwest or or actually <laughs> uh, maybe one from down south that says y'all quite a lot <laughs> but the, the bit i don't the bit i don't get is so filter coffee is fine. I, I quite like filter coffee. I've got a few devices to make filter Very coffee. Very good of you, Phil. But they're, they're um, so for a tenner, you can get a Hario V60. Yes, but for 260 quid, I can get a beautiful looking Sage Sage machine. For 30 quid, you can get a Keymex. So a Hario V60. 
Harry OV60. I want something like a massive industrial bun machine. Um, we need we need a spin-off pod, Coffee with the Boys. Oh my god. Some people take coffee too seriously. I just like Phil's coffee. And also I like the idea that it'll be on a timer and when I come down it'll be ready to pour. <laughs> tell me that's that, not good. Tell me that's not good. Go on, tell that me. Is the only advantage of paying Yeah, there's a massive advantage. Paying ten times the price. Literally ten times the price of what you could get for something that, that doesn't have that facility. No. I will I, I will not name the individual, but I asked the opinion of someone. Who, um, who in the rugby world, who loves loves their coffee and is very on on the ball with their coffee? And I is said it to someone them, very very high up in um, somewhere. No, 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 I'm not. I'm not going to say anything about who it was. It was someone, someone that I've someone someone I know in rugby. Anyway, so I said to them, I, I thought a, um, a nice coffee machine for for Kate for Christmas would have been a good present. And um, and I said, you know, I'd, I'd love to get a really good like really good coffee machine. And if, if I was going to be a bit extravagant and go get one of the bean-to-cup jobs, what would you recommend? And they recommended one, and I looked online, and it was 1,500 quid. Wow. Now, I think... Oh, the I mean, so, some, do, people, some people operate in, on different, they do. On different they do. levels, don't the they? I'm going to, the guy that I'm going to refer to, he knows exactly who he is. He was up in Manchester the other week. And uh, he's got, it's almost like a psychotic obsession with, with, with coffee. Like it's different level, different level. Like cold brewing it so we can heat it back up at, overnight and all all sorts of nonsense. It's a good thing to get into. Nice Is it healthy habit? I don't have to, I don't have a refined enough palate to know the difference. Um, that, it's a good point that because you came round to mine. Uh, God, it seems like a long time ago. Probably <laughs> about two months ago. <laughs> so, oh, do you remember the days? Get the homeless music on. Do you remember when you pop round for a coffee? Well, Jay came round and I made him a nice double espresso. So, so just, you know, uh, Tim, this says a lot about how polite I am. <laughs> it was unbelievably polite. Uh, JB, I made him this nice double espresso and JB had a little sip of it. And he said, oh, where did you get your beans from? And I, actually, it was a place across the road from JB. So I said, oh, it's a barbecue um, coffee in Cholton. He said, oh, their, their coffee's a bit bitter for me. I said, oh, that's weird. It's never normally bitter for me. Anyway, JB had a few more sips and then a few more and gets halfway through this double espresso and goes, you know what, this isn't right. Just taste that. And I tasted it. And so Claire had been descaling the coffee machine. (laughs) (laughs) There was was like industrial strength coffee cleaner. (laughs) (laughs) In the water. That JV had drunk half of this double espresso. Brilliant. I'm too polite. It's, it, it's, it's me to a fault. Yeah, but, you, but what, what I like, there are some people that, and everyone knows someone, everyone works with someone who would have been like this, who would have pretended they were some coffee aficionado, sipped it and gone, oh yeah, really lovely. That's great, that. Yeah. Lovely. Lovely. <laughs> I, I, I was actually drinking it quickly so it'd be over and done with. <laughs> At least you noticed it wasn't quite right. Yeah. <laughs> nice so, though. Nice. I tell you what, right. Little... Some, someone who can afford a 1500 quid sage bean to cup coffee machine is Eddie Jones, who's re-signed, signed a contract with England until the, the end of the 2023 World Cup. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, fine. Good. So England. Like it, boys? I'm, I'm happy. As, as an England fan, I'm very happy. I think he set out his ambition when he first got the job to 
make turn them into the best team in the world, which which would they were clearly not under Stuart Lancaster. Um, he got bloody close. I mean, their performance against New Zealand was absolutely spectacular in the the semi final. They got totally, totally found out and undone by uh, an incredibly dominant South Africa team. But I think I'm very, very happy with his overall record, with the way the team seems, with their overall trajectory. And uh, very importantly, I don't know who else they would have got. Now, that's... that's that's Gavin with fake praise? It's, it's a bit of a negative side to it, but I, I'm really happy, even if there were others available. I mean, I guess um, Steve Hanson is available now. You could go and get Steve Hansen or Scotty Robertson or someone like that, but yeah, no one in the Premiership is really, and that I think is a really good point, Phil. No one has really stood out for me as the guy I want. Um, I mean, Rob Baxter is always going to be mentioned, and he kind of deserves it, but it shouldn't just be because you deserve it. There's got to be a more compelling argument than you deserve it. I'm not yeah. sure he would take it. Reading between the lines on what he said, I'm not sure he'd accept that job. I don't know. When your country comes calling. Mm. Yeah, it could be. Until you've got to make that decision, you don't know, I don't think. Getting it too soon as well could be a poison chalice. Yeah, so... But there's no there's no coach out there who's like... Uh, who's clearly out thinking of um, everyone else. Who's, you know, setting, I mean, maybe someone like... Um, it's far, far too... He's not even the head coach yet. Um, what's his name? Vasti at Northampton seems to have a, you know, a, lot, a lot to add to the game. I'm not saying he should be head coach, but someone... You know, thinkers like that, like there's no Dave, there's no like Dave Rennie. Mm. So yeah, I'm I'm happy, and also we we've said it before, but England backed themselves into a corner already. You you you've got to, in my mind, you've got to work in World Cup cycles, and he was already signed to 2021. Therefore, they had to either sack him straight after the last World Cup, I or going to as well extend it. So uh, no, I'm, I'm happy. But job number one, job number job number one is to uh, put your arm around Joe Marler and and get him on board. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Probably. De- definitely. Definitely. Um, particularly when you think of Mako's uh, injury record um, over the last few years. Yeah. Uh, you know, talking to Joe Marler, coronavirus couldn't come at a better time for him. I mean, everyone seems to have forgotten. You know, his antics. He's got a little bit of time away from the game now. I assume he's going to come back and not be banned. Don't, honest answer, I've not looked into it. I don't know. You have seen it before where it's been weeks and you have seen it before where it's been games. So it depends what was specified in the in the hearing. Yeah. So you know, he comes back, clean slate, enjoys his rugby again. You never know. Yes, when, but when will he come back? This is a great question for me because... Um, are we going to be able to see so the, the RFU concluding the seasons for everyone only counts up to the championship so that yes yes so no no don't, yeah we don't know what's going to happen with the the premiership with European rugby there's a England tour to Japan there's other summer tours that presumably are not going to happen now Will we be in a position where we can start in September? I, you know, I'd even be amazed if we start start in September the way things are now. It's so mad. This whole, this whole, it's it's a moving, it's a moving feast, and we don't know what the right and wrong thing to do. There's a lot of people who have 
the worst kind of uh, hot takes, which changes all the time, and they managed to conv- they managed to keep saying that they always felt the way they currently do now, despite changing constantly. But like, for example, Sweden. Sweden are kind of on their own. We, in a few months' time, we'll either be saying that was total genius, and they've look at the way they've navigated the course, or how stupid, or how stupid was that? Who knows? Yeah, and and, and Sweden. So Sweden are slightly new, unique, um, based on what I've re- read, just from their kind of national tendencies, their, their culture and their tendencies. So they they are by their very culture are fairly obedient and and want to follow rules so there's not lots of people willing to break it they've been given strict social distancing but some freedom within that schools are still going everyone's abiding by it that wouldn't necessarily work in england or usa i think one of the reasons that the conditions are so strict is so it's almost a build in build in a tolerance we, we know that we're going to cheat by 10%, but it's okay. We're kind of building the tolerance for that, for that anyway. What worries me is what's going to happen with social distancing and the, the pre-match or slaps? Is that going to go? <laughs> we'll not be able to do that ever again? Uh, let's hope we've not seen our last hour slap. No, let's really hope not. Really hope not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> before we get to the world rugby um, law changes, just a real quick one. Um, the Carlos Spencer trick shot. Yeah, let's not focus on the trick shot because that's not 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 what is important here. Which a reverse pass into a basketball net, which is about thirty meters yes, away, um, which looks like one of those well, fake videos. You know the like NBA pick me when people <laughs> did those fake ones of those. It just it looked yeah, fake, yeah. but it was it's genuine. Free the, the man is a god. The man is actually a god. The shape he's um, in though. Yes, that is the point of the videos. Yes, like, he should still be playing somewhere. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he is. He He's should be. Just ripped. Yeah. Was he 40-something, though? Yeah, early 40s. Yeah, he's an unbelievable specimen. Unreal one shape. Favorite, one of my favourite all-time players. 44 he is. Is he? God, I hope I... Wow. Half, half the man that he is by, by 44. <laughs> so, you've got um, Carlos Spencer, we've got Jamal Ford-Robinson. Any other really good things you've oh, seen? You've enjoyed? Best about, sorry, the best thing about that is... I don't even think Carlos Spencer is on Twitter and is going around Twitter. Yeah, was it his son? He must be in his son or someone. Yeah, it's his son. He's too, he's too busy working out. I tell you what, imagine being Carlos Spencer's, Spencer's son. You, you're never going to be happy with yourself, are you? No. <laughs> Big shoes to fill. Yeah, poor, poor guy. <laughs> but has there been anything like on, on the other end of the scale? A bit rubbish? From rugby players. Oh, oh, hang on a minute. Now, now you're really... I mean, undoubtedly, yes. But again, give me more than 10 seconds to think about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say yes, but I'm not going to qualify it with what. So, yes. Name, naming no names. Um, there's some dodgy dancing videos going around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> dodgy dancing videos. Uh, I think... God, we'd have to be in quarantine for a lot longer than we currently have been for you to get me doing some of those. I'm also phenomenally bored of quizzes. <laughs> phenomenally bored of And I'm phenomenally bored of emoji quizzes. Oh, yeah. I've had enough emoji quizzes. There's a lot yeah. of emoji quizzes about. Delete. For a lifetime. For a lifetime. I, I, I think, I think what, one of the... Uh, obviously, 
you know, not wanting to belittle the the health of uh, individuals and, and people who will lose their lives and, and whatnot. One of the one of the awful legacies of this whole period is going to be the number of people that are on sites like TikTok and House Party, which are just dreadful. Why? What's wrong with House Party? House Party's all right. House Party's good fun. Oh, I, I've got rid of that because, well, I, I sort of put it on at one point. And there was a bunch of people kept adding, like people I knew were on there. And then, and then I, di- I didn't realize that if it's on and be- someone wants to, they can just look through your camera, whatever, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. What? Really? If you have it, if, you, if you're on it, then any, anyone can just dial look in. At what, look at what you're doing, dial in. <laughs> oh, JB's face, JB's I think. Face. <laughs> Mate, I wish I hadn't told JB now. That could have been fun. <laughs> Building a patio again. <laughs> yeah, um, I think TikTok's been tremendous value. I think the. I mean, I'm not actually on TikTok. But I quite like some of the videos coming out there. Looking at looking, at, I can't tell what JB's doing, but it appears he's swatting a fly repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, <laughs> no, t- I, I think t- t- TikTok was good. It's um, I mean, I've never used it. I've quite enjoyed uh, the content. Mm. Okay. There are a lot, a lot of bad memes though, and some good ones, and some very and good some ones. Good, a lot of very bad ones. Uh, tell you what, um, killing your wife banter has really made a huge resurgence. <laughs> I mean, you know, it didn't used to be that cool to talk about, you know, locking your wife in a cupboard or burying her under a patio, but now it's all the rage. Oh, we, we got sent a, a joke like that on, um, on email, actually. I'm going to open it up. Uh, it was, it was a, a picture of a meme which says, day 21 without rugby, I went onto my wife's side of the bed just so I could hear someone say, roll away again. <laughs> That's not quite in the same category as what I've been saying. No, no, it's not quite, but you know. Uh, right, uh, let me let me move us on to Hands world off. rugby. That's away. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me move us on to world rugby then. Who have issued a clarification on the application of the breakdown laws, which oh, come yes, into please. come into effect in uh, a couple of months' time? Not, yeah, not there'll be any rugby. <laughs> so, what exactly have they said, Phil? You know, you're down on these things. So. What they've done, which is something they've done in the past, is they're not actually changing the law as written. They've just issued a refresh, um, refreshed application guidelines to referee. On they've, they've picked four areas or four of the laws for them to focus on. And uh, I'll just go through these four because I think it's worth doing. Okay. So the first one, law 14.5, is the tackler. They must immediately release the ball and the ball carrier after both players go to ground and immediately move away from the tackled player. Do you know what I think this is going to be most important for? Go on. It's going to be those semi those semi choke tackles, you know, when the knee is on the floor, but the defensive player is still holding on to the player and buying himself a, t- a second or two of, t- of time. Because actually, oh. when they hit the deck, it's not a big problem, is it? Um, well, yeah, generally it's not. You're right. And on, nope. our, on our next pod, which we'll, we'll touch on, one of the things I noticed from 2007 was the amount of time that the tackle player was often cynically lying in front of the ball to slow the ball down. That's, yeah. that's something that refs are hotter on these days. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure because the way they say, as soon as the tackle's made mm-hmm. and then releasing the ball, that to me screams of players' knees down, 
the defensive player is holding him for two, three seconds while everyone around him is screaming, let go, let go, let go. And in that time, they've had time to reorganise. So that's what that sounds like to me. So that's the first one. That's, that's a lot as written, but that's just one to focus on. The next one is, is so that's the tackler. The next one is the ball carrier, law 14.2. Oh, yeah. And this is being brought to ground means that the ball carrier is lying, sitting, or has at least one knee on the ground, which is the bit that you're, you're, you've just referred to, Jake. Uh. Or on another player who is on the ground. And then in line with 14.5, the tacklers must allow the tackled player to release or play the ball. The third one is the first arriving player, which is law 15.11, which is once a rook has formed, no player may handle the ball unless they were able to get get their hands on the ball before the rook formed and stay on their feet. And obviously players must endeavour to remain on their feet throughout. Why is that different to what we have? It's not. These are all... These are the same... This this is just the, the... it's exactly the same laws. There's no amendment to the laws. Incredible. They just, just read them laws. Sorry? Incredible. We're reading the same laws. They're just yeah. underlining they're underlining them, getting a highlighter pen out and going, Don't forget we made this law. Yes. Essential. Ba- Absolutely essential work. Basically, which which is actually what they did with the high tackle laws a few years ago. There was no change in the high tackle laws, although there was at that point a change in the guidance for the application of the laws which this is it's weird because we say there's no there's no difference there is a huge difference in practice because it's the application so in the past in in 2007 and 2003 and all those previous times 2011 it was a, a red card offense to have a swinging arm high tackle or a high tackle shoulder to the head it just wasn't applied very frequently at all madness madness Okay, so continue, Phil. And the final one is uh, other arriving players. Okay. So 15.5, an arriving player must be on their feet and join from behind their offside line. A player may join alongside, but not in front of that hindmost player, and possession may be won either by rooking or pushing the opposing team off the ball. So those are, what's interesting is those are the areas they've picked to focus on. And there's, there's two areas of the law which they haven't chosen to do anything on, which are probably the two areas that, in my mind, are the most dangerous and the most contentious uh, or need most clarification. And one of them is the crocodile rule. Okay. Which is not mentioned at all other than um, the bit on the first arriving player, 15.12, which is players must endeavour to remain on their feet throughout. And the crocodile rule would be a, a twist to take someone off their feet. Yeah. So other than that, it's, it's not mentioned. And the other one, which is a weird one that we pulled up a little while ago, is the um, shoulders above or in line with your hips position. That's not mentioned at all in this, which I think... That feels like a missed trick because that is this for Jacqueline. For Jacqueline, yeah. So players, players attempting to steal the ball can't have their shoulders below their hips. Now that is never enforced. If it's never enforced, why is it in the law book? I've seen that enforced though. If it is in the law books, it, it should be enforced. I must admit, I've seen it in two thousand with George Smith playing for Brumbies, but I have seen it enforced. Yes, you've seen it once in the last twenty years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and pretty, pretty much every Jacqueline player. I mean, David Pocock, for example, 
you could go and look up 50 of his jackals. I imagine that 49 out of the 50... I, what I don't law. like about that, I'm just thinking it through. If your hips are lower than your shoulders, and they're, well, first of all, if there's a body in the way, you've kind of got to contort over that body any, uh, uh, anyway. But what position, what end position do you, are you in? So when you sort of come over the ball completely and you've got your head down, if you think like classic Sam Warburton style, uh, you've got your head down, you're attached to that ball. Is that safer or is it less safe than if you're basically in a very unsa- unstable position with the hands on the ball, but your hands fully extended trying to rip the ball away? Because I see that as quite a... a well, if, what I would say is if you're in that higher position that you talk about, as in if you're having to... There's only so far you can crouch and and stay on your feet and therefore you've got to, like you say, reach down with your arms. I would say that's far safer in as much as that classic Sam Warburton or Peter Armani does it brilliantly as well where he hinges from the waist. Yeah, goes, that's exactly what I'm thinking of. Head right, head right down. Yeah. The, the, the bit that's exposed is the head and the neck. And just someone, that's, someone that's arriving, an, an attacking supporting player that's arriving at the ruck trying to clear that out, has to go for somewhere potentially dangerous. So the way I look at it is you're going to be in such an upright position, the target that you present to these players as they're coming towards you is going to be incredibly unpleasant when they hit you. And you are going to go back at a rate of knots, at least when you're in that Peter Omani, very compacted position. You're very strong. And you're sort of tense to take contact and you're hard to hit. When you're, when you're going to be more upright with your hands down, you're going, to be, you're going to get hit very, very hard. And when you go backwards, you're almost certainly going to buckle, buckle knees and all sorts, all sorts of other things. So I, I actually think if, you're in, if your hips, sorry, if your shoulders are above your hips, it means that your arms are fully extended. Because that's the only, if the ball's yeah. on the floor, that's the only way. So you've actually got quite a long target that is very weak. That players can, the defending player, or sorry, the attacking player who's trying to drive the defender off the ball, if you just hit the arms, fine. You drive straight through the arms and, and um, secure the ball. Yeah, if you give it a slight angle, I mean, I can see you getting hit so bloody hard. I mean, so incredibly hard. But, but, in, the, but in the arm and chest, and, and I think yeah. that the issue, the issue when it's your head... It's not the only I'm worried about. It, it, it's the legs. So if you think about when you get hit so hard that you're going backwards back over yourself, that, that's why I see the danger for knee, the knees and ankles and, and whatnot. It's not as bad as spine and head, of course, but I still think it's going to be a big yeah. issue. And yeah. I worry as well that I actually think the jackal's becoming more important to the game. As handling becomes better, and you know, more plastic pitches are used. The only way to, to take, a, you know, think, think about back in the day, a twenty-phase, um, twenty-phase uh, attacking play was almost unheard of. Now it's commonplace. You see it all, like all the time. Extra will do, you know, two, 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 two or three a game because defenses um, fan out and focus on the dominant hit. Yeah, so actually, if you want to dislodge the ball now, or you want to win that ball back, and your and your jackling option has been taken away, your choke tackle has been taken taken away. What have you got left? And that's collisions, bigger and bigger collisions, working harder and harder and harder. And I'm not entirely sure it's the right way to go. It it might be that that is an unintended consequence because mm. it, it might be that if you make the jackal less effective, um, 
teams just retain the ball for longer and longer. So you've got to look at other ways of disrupting and turning. And, and my, my my solution to maybe mitigate that unintended consequence would be, well, look at anything that that increases the ball in playtime, quicker scrums, maybe less changes and replacements to actually mean that you get um you get the ball in play more so that there's smaller players so that even if they are trying to hit harder that the actual people are are smaller and it's not quite as explosive as it is currently yeah another way that they are trying to look at that is the 50 22 kick which it's not been trialed officially yet i don't believe but it's going to be trialed in certainly from my halfway line into the opposition 22 so if it bounces yeah yeah it's got a bounce i think i think it has got a bounce yes it does play then go into the 22 going touch in 22 and the attacking team gets the line out if that happens i could do that which because because it's it's actually fairly easy to do if you've got a good kicker or a couple of good kickers. Yeah. It means that the defensive team have to put, well, probably three players back or at least two players back. Imagine that. You've got um, Ford and Farrell in your team. Yeah. And you split them on either side of the rock. Or you pass one, you know, or you move one you know, to the 13 channel somewhere. That could be a nightmare. And, you've got, and, and if you had Slade and Daly as well. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it does mean that that if anyone's playing against England and they've got those players on the pitch, they're going to have to drop three players back, which means that there's more space in the um, defensive line. So I, I, I think I'm right in saying that in Australian club rugby, what they also trialed, I'm not sure whether this one's getting brought in at the same time, is inside your 22, a kick to beyond halfway that bounces into touch. You, you get the line out as well. Oh. Whether that one's coming in in international level, I don't know, but I think in Australian club rugby, they trialed both. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really a fan of it, to be honest. I'd, I'd like to see it trialed. I'd like to see how it um, changes the game. Because I, I quite like the idea of speeding up the game, exactly as you said, Tim. I don't know what the best solution is, but speeding up the game so you've got um, a generally smaller light air players um, and more ball in play time. I, I tend to like, like that. the 50-20 rather than the 22 past the 50. Yeah, that way around as well. Yeah, I feel that you're letting teams off the hook who are under pressure, whereas I think the 50-22 actually gets teams under pressure defensively. Mm. I don't like the idea that you just kick it out, and if you make it, you can then um, you can then start playing from the opposition halfway. I also don't like the idea that if you've got a really savvy kicking game and you've pinned your opposition down, they can get they can get out easy. I like the idea that you can build the pressure and bully them a bit. It's not. Yeah. It's not easy to kick from in your twenty-two to after halfway with it bouncing in field and going out. Speak for yourself. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I do think the shortest route for me to be on speeding up the game is speeding <clears throat> up is getting rid of the monstrosity that is scrums, resets, and um, and, and maybe less replacements. But so, uh, nah. if this helps, that's all good. I think the replacement thing is that is that the bag though. I'd like to see I'd like to see full on interchanges. That, that's what I'd like to see. So th- then that does that does potentially lead to even bigger players because if <laughs> no, just to be clear on that, I'm definitely not against bigger players as a spectacle, not even slightly. In fact, more the merrier. Uh, I I also like the idea that there's more. Tactical mouse coming in from the from the coaches. I mean, the NRL thing is really interesting. 
NRL and Super League having to change this. And you listen to an NRL coach talk and they'll say, you know, most points are scored towards the end of the game, not the start of the game. So why do I start my best players? Yep. And I love, I love that thinking. And I do like more, so more tactical flexibility to give the coaches more to think about. I like that. It's just the, if you can have, like they do in rugby league, you have, say, four props, um, two on the bench and two starting. Each one can go for 20 minutes and then have 20 minutes rest and then do yeah. 20 minutes and 20 minutes rest. If you want to talk about that. opening up space, I mean, you're going to have players who are conditioned not to play a full game. But the reality of rugby is a lot of players have to play full games because things happen. So if you've got a guy who's only conditioned for 20 minutes, I don't, I don't think it's going to be quite, quite that easy because you never know when you're going to need to do a full shift. Yeah, because of injuries and, and everything else. Yeah, one time head goes down and you've got an absolutely, an utterly unsuitable guy playing for 80 minutes. Space everywhere. Yeah. Joyous. Yeah. Guys, well done. We, we've managed to do another podcast without resorting to picking our Lions team for 2021. Oh, I, I've got my Lions with 15 written down here. <laughs> well, well, you keep oh, that off your sleeve. Me. What I'm basically saying yeah. is when we... Well, that I think that is the equivalent of throwing in the towel as a content yeah. maker. I, I am going to have to criticise ourselves here because we've done this. This is the, the, equivalent of, the equivalent of throwing in the towel is appealing to your listeners to ask, to ask them to tell you what they want to hear. No, no, no. I'm the expert. I will tell you what you want to hear. Oh, we always get... Because we've got such good insight. Nope. Wonderful listeners. It's great to get... Um, done, this for, done this for five years. I know what you like. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. JB, we've had, we've had listeners come up with quizzes such as... Uh, quizzes, fine. Submit your quizzes. U, US, US Eagle or, or Porn Star. Yeah. True. Which were outstanding. They were outstanding. <laughs> by, all me, by all means, send in your quizzes. I'll be talking about what I want to talk about. <laughs> send in your quizzes to contacthachasers at gmail.com. Any other ideas? Like I say, help us avoid... The it's basically just accepting we've got nothing left. We're throwing the towel in, and you will see this. I, I'm not going to name any names about the networks and broadcasters or or anything else. That just when you when you get to the point that you go pick your Lions 15 for next year, that's it. You're saying oh, we've got nothing left. Yeah, unsubscribe, Unsub- unsubscribe. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to try and stave that off for as long as we can. Yes, definitely. Help us. And subscribe at Rugby Podcast on Twitter is where you can find us. He's at Jay Blair Moore. I'm at Cocker. Phil is lurking. Uh, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Because we have another podcast coming in your feed. If you haven't watched Wales versus Fiji from the 2007 World Cup, uh, then World Rugby have a video, full matched video on their YouTube channel. Watch that and get ready for the next podcast, which is coming in your stream very soon. JB, Phil. Uh, adios. Top work. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. 